Hey everyone, welcome to episode 145 of 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff. It's March in Florida, and all you really need to understand, prepare, and protect yourself from is the flu. Apparently, there are two strains of the flu that are currently ravaging central Florida, and one or both decided to make a stop at the Magray residence early last week and picked us off one by one. It's of the multi-day torture variety, so please hydrate, take your vitamin C, and any secret family elixir that you may have, and good grief, wash your hands. Okay, just wash your hands. And even that didn't work. So I don't know what to tell you, but just be careful. That's a PSA from your friends here at the podcast. Last week was week one of this bold ask series. And we decided that maybe most importantly, we should remember that our only safeguard against Satan is the presence of Jesus. That's about as, yeah, cl- that's that's, clear. That's about as close as we could kind of pull that all together. And maybe just one sentence that could be easily remembered when you're thinking to yourself, man, nothing's going right. I need Jesus because it's my only safeguard. All right. We stayed with that thought this week. The bold ask of a dad for his son. Actually, for his boy, I said. For (laughs) his boy. Was it for his boy? Yeah, it's okay. Well, I didn't even get that part right. Well, that's it. Forget it. Let's let's forget it. Let's just just go home. Oh, here he goes. A dad for a boy with Jesus. Okay. Well, you know, we uh, sometimes we don't get even the beginning parts right, but I wasn't expecting this story. Mm. I was immediately the thought that came to my head last week and I was sick. So I I didn't watch online. I wasn't even like awake or even coherent to know what was going on on Saturday. And I can't remember the last time I heard this story. It's not one that you just hear that often. (laughs) I was thinking of Abraham and Isaac and Isaac. That was what came to my mind. So I was, I was pleasantly surprised. And then I thought, Oh, well, this will be good. As I'm going through the story, Jesus' disciples, I mean, they're often the poster boys for how not or what not to do in any given situation as a follower of Christ, because they've got a pretty good portfolio rivaled only by the Israelites that consistently get things wrong while standing in the very human presence of Jesus. They take more abuse than they should from us in our 2020 hindsight judgment-filled eyes, but we started off with Jesus, Peter, James, and John on the mountaintop experience and wonder at some of the words of Jesus, and yet... No bold ask. But given what they just witnessed with their eyes and the transfiguration of Jesus, their ears and the very voice of God himself, and they're left with questions, which in itself is maybe completely logical, but for some reason, again, the no ask, we always give advice about spending time with God, one-on-one, quality time, listen to God speak, (laughs) etc., etc., to find the answers you seek. And this was as good as any of that stuff gets, right? As good as you could be. What is it that precludes us from going after these bold asks, even when we are as connected as we could possibly ever be? Could have easily made that ask, not necessarily wrong, but they could have taken that moment and said, man, what was all this about? Well, asking is a position of humility. Hmm. And our human nature just wants to resist not knowing We'd rather almost be, I think, we'd rather almost be (laughs) ignorant than have to ask sometimes because asking means I'm inadequate, I don't know, I'm ignorant, I'm outside of the understanding if I make an ask. So it's it's, sometimes it's just a little, I think pride keeps us from asking. Man, okay, I'll I'll, I'll admit it. (laughs) I guess I've never thought of that being a spot of humility where you have to admit that I, you know, I don't really know. Well, if I ask you where the bathroom is, I'm showing my ignorance. I don't know where it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also, I think, it, it, 
carries with it somewhat of a responsibility mm-hmm. and an accountability that I think sometimes, you know, if all of a sudden I have this information, I'm somewhat responsible, responsible yeah. for that information. If I, if I don't mm-hmm. ask, I don't know. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to do it. anything. I can just stay ignorant. Oh, mm-hmm. man. We're, so we're taking the avoidance maneuver. Yeah. Yeah. So we have pride and laziness. <laughs> oh, man. So we got two of the seven deadlies knocked out right there. That's so right. that's, man, there's probably another one in there somewhere. So the thing I was thinking about then was, does a bold ask have to be a vocal petition? Or can it be delivered by the whispers in our head and our thoughts? Things we think about, the Holy Spirit prays for us when we, you know, knows what's on our heart, will pray for us and we can't pray for ourselves, that right. kind of thing. Does it have to be vocal for us? I don't think so. I mean, if to if, be bold, I think I think we can be bold in our thoughts and our silent prayers to God, as well as our audible ones. Hmm. Because I was thinking to myself, there's things that I probably will think that will probably never become something vocal in something to God. I mean, God knows my thoughts, so I guess what does it matter? It really shouldn't. And so is it enough that I'm thinking it and he knows that that's the desire of my heart when he knows my struggles and he knows the things that I need? I mean, is that bold or is that just – that that's, that's a really good question. I, re- I remember as a kid thinking that I should only pray about my thought – because if I'm saying, God, you know, help me overcome this in a name of sin, Satan, oh, then yeah. Satan knows that I'm having a hard time with that when he can come after me on oh. it. And if I just think it, then God reads my thoughts and we're all good. I, I'm not so sure that's true. There, there, is something, there is something about praying out loud alone that is different <laughs> than sitting there and praying within our brain. You bring up an interesting question. I do think, though, that God knows how to translate oh, yeah. much more yeah. than our words, obviously. And when we go down this road of what is bold, is bold, you know, finally getting it out? Uh, maybe it is for some. Maybe we do, like Andy mentions, just saying it out loud. Maybe there is a a side to that that does create a sense of uh, conviction within us when we say that, oh, it becomes, you know, it becomes somewhat material in a way, you know, it's out there. It's more real. Yeah. It's so hard to define that because just like last week when Tony was here and he's like, you know, this is what a bold ask for me is Mm -hmm. versus what, you know, someone else might feel is bold. So that was the part that just had me thinking and it's kind of stuck in my brain over and over was that Sometimes things I think in my head, I feel like would be a pretty bold and for whatever reason, I don't know if I just purposefully are like, (laughs) am I choosing lazy and am I choosing (laughs) these avoidance maneuvers to not actually talk to God about it? Mm. Or is it just, is it just there? And he says, you know, I'm the one, it's the Holy Spirit that is pushing you to have these thoughts. Sure. So I'm I'm pretty well aware of it. (laughs) We're going to pray over all of it. I'm going to, I'm listening to all this because I think that, being honest with ourselves goes a long way to answering these questions about what really is bold for me. Or if I say it, well, now I'm bold. I mean, I don't know that to me just feels like semantics. Yeah, I I think, I think it probably is a matter of semantics, but again, there's something about writing something down that's different than thinking it. Yeah. Um, There's the repondering of that is easier if you have a script now to look at. That's true. I don't know. I think in this story specifically, this 
I don't know if it was bold for him to, I mean, I think of Jairus and I think of all these people who confronted Jesus saying, please, you know. Yeah. Now, what's interesting to me in this story is that maybe he wasn't bold enough. Maybe, you know, hey, you know, I'm I'm not going to go to the top guy, you know, I don't want to bother him (laughs) with this stuff. I'm going to hit one of his disciples up, you know. And I wonder, does he think that, you know, Jesus doesn't have time for that? And I, I think the bold part that we're talking about is that here we get a chance to actually approach the throne of God, the God of the universe, the person who literally put planets in orbit and yeah. galaxies and universe and create everything. And, and we're asking something. And I think that's where I think he says to us, Hey, I am willing to, be a part of your life in every aspect. And I think that's the part that becomes bold for us. And recognizing that any request we have, as simple as it may be or as big as it may be, can still be a bold ask. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd kind of forgotten how this story went. So I went back and read the the little bit before, a little bit after, just trying to get a feel for where we were headed. But the transition to the demons part of the message again, it didn't disappoint. It was like a classic Hollywood good versus evil. Think a little Clint Eastwood scowl as he says, what do you mean if I can? <laughs> That's right. right? <laughs> what do you mean? The father of a demon possessed boy is apparently embroiled in some type of argument with everyone from the disciples to religious leaders as the aforementioned Jesus and disciples and the mountaintop experience. They come down upon this scene you got to feel for Jesus as he walks into this because he's looking at this going, what in the world is going on? Well, that was one of the biggest <laughs> learnings for me is that is he's disgusted by the whole mess. Right. Yeah. And he wants his real job is to transition his disciples from wimps to yeah. strong men. Yeah. And yet he knows he can't do that right now. So he just <laughs> says, OK, I'll take care of the boy. Bring me the boy. <laughs> Bring me the boy. <laughs> well, in the fact that in Mark 9, verse 24, the father instantly cries out to him and says, I do believe, but help me overcome my belief. Help me overcome my unbelief. My unbelief, right. This statement instantly makes him as relatable to every generation to follow in, in a human <laughs> way that really few others have in the course of the whole story because – I feel like that point, even if you're not a parent, <laughs> you understand like, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I believe, of course. Yeah. yeah, because that's I feel like I have to say that to get in the door, whether he truly did or didn't right. or what the level of belief was. <laughs> but then he goes further and he comes now that you've mentioned it, the place of humility and says, help me. Yeah. If I don't believe this enough is, to heal my me. son, help me take care of this. That statement is such a helpful statement for all of humanity. That we get a chance to approach God saying, yes, I believe. And and I'm not even sure what that statement means, because yeah. does it mean that I get a chance to believe in partial understanding? And But I think what he's saying is he's saying, you're here. I see you. I've seen you do other things, but I still I still don't really truly believe it's going to happen for me. And that's a really honest statement that I think a lot of us, I mean, all of us, I think, fall into that type of skepticism about what God could actually do for us. Well, and I totally understand where the father's coming from, because as I alluded to last week, what my one bold ask Mm -hmm. was, 
in the same way, I mean, this was only a short lived for me. This has only been a couple of, uh, not even two weeks. This person had been, like you said, we don't know about mom. Yeah, we don't yeah. know about family dynamics, but this had been a problem for a long time. Yeah, years at least. And you at that point have to be at the end of your rope. You oh, know yeah. that you're probably not looked upon nicely by your friends and neighbors because especially at that yeah, point. You can, you can come over, but don't bring the boy. Yeah, that's right. Everyone, but yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It, no, yeah. If you come over, they're going to bring him. Don't invite uh, yeah, them. No, no. All right. Who invited them? You know, that kind of thing. So I can totally see where that would be the case. And then to think about him going like he had to be yeah. absolute desperation. But I remember feeling that like, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I don't doubt that God could, but you know, yeah. and, and you hear that you, these are all stories that we believe to be true. So yeah, yeah, he could do it. But then there's that part of you that goes, mm-hmm. has Will anyone, he? has anyone else that I know, or is there a story written somewhere where someone suddenly became miraculously healed from down syndrome? No. Yeah. So the chances are not good. <laughs> there's not a lot of models. <laughs> right. There's nothing to really go off of. And the other part that I just found weird, and I just wanted to ask you guys, this isn't the normal feel-good Jesus that we right, norm, that right. we normally see when Think he's <laughs> interacting with kids, yeah, even this. even in other places where he's healed. I mean, is it the frustration with the disciples, the demon possession, the mountaintop experience has ended, and now reality is set back in that I got to deal with my kids, not this kid, but go ahead, bring me the kid, and let's let's help him so I can help you guys. Why does this seem so different in this story than the Jesus that we see around kids in other ways? I don't know, but I just I just love the fact that. The boy is on the ground having this epileptic seizure like event. Yeah. yeah. And Jesus, Jesus just sort of stands there and asks the dad, Well, so how long has this been going on? <laughs> Reminded me of 60 minutes. I really did. And you think the dad would just be like, Who cares? Just fix it. Yeah. And the dad just stops. He's just like, Well, it's just as he, since he's little here, he's been throwing the fire, throwing him the water. You know, it's like, I mean, it's like, really? It's just, it was, I thought it's a fascinating story to me. I love the story. As a matter of fact, we don't think about this in terms of the unbelief belief part. When we look at this, we go, wow, that's such a great story. It almost like we're reading about somebody winning the lottery. We go, oh, man, that's such a great story. You got all that money. Why doesn't that happen to me? You know, we kind of have this picture of, man, alive. they were so fortunate. Here's the man talking about how He's feeling unbelief. But really, when we look at it, I love listening to these stories from the standpoint of that was Jesus back then, historically written. How nice that we get that story, because now I know Jesus personally in my life. I have stories of him in the past. And the fact is, we all experience Jesus. We all literally have won the lottery. We can look back at these stories and realize we have that God. That same Jesus is now with us today. And what a beautiful fact that I get the chance to not only see the story of what he did back then, but see what he's doing right now. And we fail to see that. And that's where this idea of we keep looking for something really good to happen when we already have yeah. That happening right now. Says the survivor of the Widowmaker. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Even like you said, even when we don't have every detail, the details that we did get, when you really look at them through the Great Commission, and you, mm-hmm. if that's your only focus, then really most of these stories do have exactly all we need yeah. to make the life choices and to kind of learn what we need to be doing better. Those details are there for us. And dad's immediate cry for help and admitting really boldly that his lack of or his perceived lack of belief trumps 
his belief in Jesus, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. It seems like such a real and transparent response. It doesn't right. seem like there's anything and, and maybe, maybe right. a little bit of desperation in there. But I want that realization at the forefront of anything I ask of God mm-hmm. at all times, right? Yeah. Like, hey, I, I'm not perfect at this. And like, you know, standing there, I, just fix it, please. <laughs> and I, I know you can fix this. And that leads us into one of our FHC takeaways that stated, and Jesus said, you have not because you don't ask. How can that be motivation for us to make some bold asks? Mm-hmm. Mm. Hmm. Good statement. And to be able to walk in faith after the ask. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's we, good- we, we make the ask and we recognize that God is wiser and better and bigger than us and only is going to give us what's for our best good. Yeah. So we ask for this. We think it's the best ask. As I said at the end of the sermon, we have to we have to come back post our ask with a surrender statement. Not my will, but yours be done. You know, I want this. I think it's the right thing. I, I want that new electric train. I want that new helicopter. I want whatever. Is it like a kid? But I don't know what's best for me. I want. Yeah. I, I need to trust you as the wise God to know that you're going to give me what is best. But I'm still going to ask. Yeah, and that's funny because, in a way, your your answer is perfect because it can be a very comforting statement, but it can also be a very scary statement mm-hmm. when we don't really put that trust. Right. Because just like you said, Sparkle. She is so afraid to ask for the simplest things from juice at dinner. I'd like some juice, please. Or to watching her favorite TV show. She stands next to me. She'll look at the floor. Her little hands cover her eyes. She's afraid to speak words that tell me what she wants. And after this message, I see myself exactly that way, standing before (laughs) God, silent too often with my hands (laughs) on my side, looking down at the floor and not wanting to ask when in reality... It's not always going to be yes. We've taught her that. Right. And it's you know not always necessarily a no. It's not right now. It's not any, sometimes, I mean, we and, give her an answer, but. And sometimes it's a bold yes. Yeah. And sometimes, yeah. right. You get exactly what you're asking for. And so when I look at it that way, what can we lose by asking the perfect God for anything and knowing that he's going to give us what's best for us? Well. How can you miss? We ask best people we trust most. Yeah, well, there you go. If you don't trust a person, our chance of asking them for something is, I think, lower. Yeah. If I trust the person and believe that they're, you know, capable, good, whatever, then I, I can ask. And, and if they say no, it's no big deal because I trust them as a person yep. as opposed to stranger on the street. Hey, could you loan me 20 bucks? I need to go get some lunch. No, it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, probably not. But well, I do think that people like Sparkle, mm-hmm. we all are like Sparkle at times. Yeah, absolutely. Is when we approach the people that we trust most or the people yeah. that we believe, we don't like putting ourselves in that position where we think that we're going to dis- be disappointed yeah. by the people that we trust most too. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the guard is when we look at it and we say, okay, how can I not only accept, but how can I prepare myself for knowing that this person actually has my best interests at heart. Right. And that might be a quote unquote rejection yeah. of what I'm asking for and to be okay with it. Yeah. You're going to have to add this one way down. Or it's going to be too long. Well, yeah. there's so much that you already that luckily you, you guys aren't going to have to listen to once I get done editing because I've been tongue tied all day, but our final thoughts are short and sweet from Andy's message. Quoting Jesus, all things are possible to the one who believes. And again, as you say, to who you believe and who you put your trust in makes all the difference. So all things are possible to the one who believes was the most poignant thing that I took out of 
the whole thing was simply that and something easy to remember, something easy for us to think about as we are thinking about those bold asks and maybe even verbalizing them if that's what it takes. All right. So this week, what's up? This week, our Mr. John Mundy will be speaking. John Mundy? Yeah. And the bold ask of two thieves. The bold ask of two thieves. Jeff and I will be in Istanbul, Turkey, so we can't either one of us share the pulpit, so. We'll be here next week. Oh, well, I'm going to have to talk to, as soon as we're done, I'm going to have to talk to John yeah. and make sure yeah. I've got The some. next week is Greg Creek. Oh. Uh, well, the, Greg, he's always you. I can't forget what his bold ask is. Off, off my head. Then I'll be back on April 6th right. with the bold ask of the two brothers. And the two brothers. Oh, man. This is going to keep getting better as we go along. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week. So as always, do join us next Wednesday for episode 146. Thanks for listening and have a great week.